this new series entitled Help Needed is a series that is designed to put us in the frame mind of mind that we need help and also to put us in the frame of mind that we have a God who can help us. All right. So let's look at the word real quick. Psalm chapter 54 or the, the 54th division of songs, Psalms. Uh, Psalms does not have chapters. The book of Psalm, Psalms does not have chapters, okay? It has divisions. That's your little Bible nugget this morning. So you're going to hear people say, go to the 23rd chapter. It's not a chapter. It's a division. Other books have chapters. Psalms has divisions. If Psalms does not have chapters, what do they have? What does it have? Has divisions, right. So we're in the 54th division. And I want to read something here that I think is is good. It's been encouraging me as I ponder this text. Psalm 54, starting at 1, it says in the NIV, is what we're reading from today, says, um, Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God. Selah. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. So far, our scripture reading today. Um, I want to talk from this thought in the first uh, installment in the series, Help Needed. I want to talk to you from this thought the rock between us, the rock between us. Father, hear our prayer today. Speak to us in a way that only you can. Our expectation is of you. Now, Lord, I pray that, we, that you stabilize us. Hook us up to the IV of the Holy Ghost. Give us what we need today from you. Now, Lord, I ask that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, there's so much going on in the world today. I mean, a lot. This, this year has already been chocked full of emotional moments from... The death of Kobe Bryant, which is huge. I mean, we would you would think that Kobe was a uh, like a, a politician or a world leader, but I guess in his circle he kind of was, you know. And so that 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 rocked us. And then we have tornadoes. This tornado that just hit Nashville has uh, was just crucial. I mean, just the, the the debris and the way that path, the path that it took, and and the things that. Uh, are, are laying there in the wake of its path was just sad. Then we have this political environment that we live in. It is, in my estimation, very unstable. And, of course, 
we also have this virus that is plaguing the world. So it's, it's interesting because we have on the world stage, we have uh, the virus that we come into uh, America, our country, and deal with. There's the Kobe thing, and then we're dealing with the political thing. And then you get here, and you deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with inside. You know, the stuff that doesn't make the headlines, the stuff that nobody knows that you're struggling with, the things you cry about that nobody knows that you're crying about because you fix it, you fix your face, you dry it up before you get in front of anybody. But you still got some stuff inside of you while you lay in the bed at night. And we're watching the world stuff and we're watching the stuff that goes on in America. And you got your your own and the rockets red glare, the bombs bursting in air inside of you. You know what I mean? And all of this stuff is stuff that can produce fear. People are canceling flights, canceling travel because of everything that's going on in the world. And here's the thing. It's always something so once we find get get the the uh the corona thing under it'll be something else and it may be terrorists pop back up again and who who knows here here are the conspiracy theorists maybe uh the the coronavirus is terror it could be you know uh bioterrorism y'all get what i'm saying i'm not saying that it is i'm just saying it's always something and so here's the deal As believers, we need to settle into some stuff. We need to understand that with everything that's going on in the world, and and this series is designed to help us settle down, okay? Settle down. Jonathan has a a, a bronchitis or a bronchial uh, uh, aggravation. So he's on, you know, inhaling all that kind of stuff. But he's just dealing with a lot of coughing. And so, of course, if we out to dinner somewhere. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So so then you you got to deal with. Internally, you're dealing with the perception of something that I can't control. You get what I'm saying? Because our society if it, the truth of the matter is, with all the sanitizing stuff coming off the shelves, America is probably the cleanest country in the world right now. I mean, we, we just squeezing, we, we squeezing stuff on everything. Just wipe that down, wipe that down. Maybe we should have done that already. With as many people that I see walking out of the airport bathrooms without washing your hands, you are a walking virus. <laughs> sir, sir. Come, hey, hey. I feel like I want to be somebody's parent. Hey, get, get back in there and wash your hands. Your nasty self. What are you doing? And you're going to go here and touch everything. But now we're on heightened alert. And so people who normally don't wash their hands are. And for that, we're grateful. But we are on heightened alert inside because there's some fear happening inside of us. As believers, though, we need to remember this. Although we should be cautious, we should not be fearful. You hear me? 
Although we should be concerned, we should not worry. Okay? Let me say that again about your life, not about stuff. I want to say this about the stuff that you do not see on TV, the stuff that nobody knows but your family or your close personal friends about the stuff that's going on in your life. Let me say it. Although you should be cautious, you should not be fearful. Although you should be concerned, you should not worry because you have a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything you ask or think. So here is the question. What are you thinking and what are you asking? Based on your prayers, can God be God? Based on your prayers. Are you praying at a level? First of all, are you praying? Are you praying more than you're telling yourself stories that don't exist? Are you praying? I mean, think about it. How stuff, I was watching the news yesterday. They said we want to, um, we want to cancel out some of the rumors that if you should not receive packages from China. They were telling you, you know, that it was going around that, hey, don't receive any packages that come from China. Why? They shipping the virus now? The virus cannot live. It lives in humans, okay? So what happens is we tell ourselves stories that don't exist. See, the narrative that we make up. And it starts from something being this small to something being this big. And it's only because we've made up a story. That's what happens in our lives. Come on, the overthinkers in the room, any overthinkers other than pastor? Yeah, come on, you overthink. You have gone all the way to, Lord, I got my, oh, Lord, my toe, my toe swole, Jesus. Lord, they're going to have to take my toe. And you know when they take my toe, it's just, this is, this is it. I'm just, I don't want to die, Jesus. It's a mus- you stumped your toe in the middle of the night and didn't even remember it. That's why it's swollen. You, you're not getting ready to die from that. But overthinkers, listen, I always say this. We never overthink to the positive. We always overthink to the negative. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with our minds? That when I overthink, I'm going to overthink to the detriment. When we serve a God who can do exceedingly, not just exceedingly, abundantly, not just abundantly, above the exceedingly and abundantly, all inclusive of everything to the exclusion of no thing, that we ask or think. So then why would we think to the negative and not think to the positive so he can maximize our positive? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it comes so natural to think negative. They don't even like me. I walked in this morning. They didn't say nothing. They don't like me. I'm just tired of going through this in my life. I just can't can't seem to have no friends because they don't even like me. Who don't like me? 
the people at my job. What's their name? I don't know. So you don't even know the people that don't like you? You can't get no talk right here. So I'm going to jump all the way in really quick because I'm going to get out of here really fast. Um, so here, here it is. Believers must have three things. I'm going to get to our text in a minute, but believers must have three things that uh, is important to us right now. And uh, Psalm 46 and 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength. Okay. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. So watch. In moments like this that we're living in, although it causes us to kind of be on high alert, listen, your spirit man should be happy because it, the text here sometimes I feel like it leads us to believe that he is more present in troubled times than he is when things are smooth. You get what I'm saying? Because we do have those. This is um, uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because there are some times that he is not so near and sometimes we can't find him so readily. And I believe that those are the seasons in our lives where God is building our faith. Okay, that's what I believe. I believe it's like, and I, and I often use this example, that when we're teaching the baby how to walk and we let them hold their fingers and they're stumbling, but they're walking with us because we are their strength. But as that gets better, their ankles get more strength, we slide our fingers out and we just let them walk to us. And as they get better at that, we start moving back because we want them to get strength and confidence in the fact that you have what it takes to move forward. I believe that God does that for us. That he says, come on, call me now, because you got a lot of hell going on in your life, and I need to step in the midst of that. It is hot in your life. Hebrew boys, it's hot in your life. I'm not getting ready to take you out of the heat. I'm going to get in there with you. See, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing I love about God, though. He knows how to manage your life when we, well, our lives when we don't. Because I don't want you to get in the fire with me. Get me out the fire. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I, I see y'all in the furnace seven times hotter than it should be. As a matter of fact, the guy that threw you in the furnace got killed when he opened the door. Oh, this ain't even what I'm preaching, but let me go on and say it. Sometimes we're safer in the fire than we are outside the fire. Because if you read that text in Daniel, that there was one guy who opened the door and it was so hot it killed him. And he was out of the fire. But the three of them was in the fire. <laughs> this is your people calling me. <laughs> uh, they were in the fire. The text says walking around. Listen, so sometimes you're safer in the hottest seasons of your life. More safe than you are when everything is chill. So sometimes you got to ask God, and then wait, wait, wait. You know what? I'm not even going to pray about this. I'm just going to follow you. If, if you're in the fire, I'm going to step on in there. 
Because if I can, here's a question. Would you rather die outside the furnace or live in the furnace with God? Okay, so he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Now, you really do have to process that because God says that in your trouble moments, I am right there. And many of us spend our lives, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, resenting troubled times. And this one here is most clear, very present. It just leads me to believe. See, when I read the text, I read the text and I want to get pictures. So I kind of feel like when things are good, he's there. And we have to make sure we stay aware of his uh, presence. But in the trouble moments, he comes close. Our very present says to me that when I'm stressed out, I can do this right here, right here. Very present. Okay. He is our refuge and our strength. But but oh, Lord, this ain't even what I'm teaching. But here's what he's not based on this text. He is not in this text our deliverer. Because sometimes in trouble, you don't need to be delivered. You need to be strengthened. Refuge is have a safe place. That's what a refuge is. Safe place. So he is our safe place and our strength in trouble. Only God can keep us safe in the midst of trouble. We see, you see, we got to open our mind because I do believe that we are oftentimes because of our own view, we are closed minded to who God really is, that we don't see him uh, in the way we should see him in the seasons of, of our lives. Like I always say, that when the disciples were out on the boat, when Jesus came walking to them, they were afraid because they had never seen that side of Jesus. Because I do believe that God reveals himself differently when we're in trouble than he does when everything is good. I'm giving you a lot of information today. Let's breathe a second. Everybody inhale. Everybody inhale. Because we don't like to hear this. Because we're like, Lord, I want more of you. He's like, yeah, about that. In order for you to get more of me and to see me in a different angle, some things have to adjust. Okay, so we went to see Onward yesterday. And because Daddy didn't read properly the, the movie thing, I picked the movie that was a 3D. We don't normally do 3D movies. I just, we don't do them. So we were sitting in there, and the thing said, get your glasses. And I'm, <laughs> I went paying attention. Kyle was like, uh, hey, we need 3D. This is 3D. And I was like, huh? So long story short, you know, we had to go get glasses. And so Jay and I, because we wear glasses, we have to put those glasses on over our glasses, right? So you can, because without the proper lens, you cannot see the movie the way the movie was designed for you to see it. Listen, God is a very present help in the time of trouble. And the way we see him in trouble, you can't see him without it. 
Did that make sense? It's like, it's like sometimes God wants to, oh, wow. So maybe this is a way we could see trouble. Instead of letting trouble depress us, maybe we should see trouble as the lenses through which God wants to show us something different. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we have to, God says here, I am for the next feature of your life. I'm handing out trouble lenses because what I want to show you about me, you can't see it without these lenses. This is what God does to me. This is why this is why this is why I'm not a manuscript preacher, because there is no way I could type all this out and read it. I'm an extemporaneous preacher. I just have triggers on my paper. So really, I could be finished today and say the rest of this for next week, because I just told you something here that maybe trouble come. Maybe America. We're dealing with something. That God wants you to put on the lenses of this virus, of this scare, so you can see him differently. Maybe the political world is a lens so that we can see him differently. So maybe then trouble is not the thing that we should see as how do I want to say this? The burden. Now, don't get me wrong. Hear, hear me. Because we're human, when trouble comes, we, we stress. Okay? We eat. We shop. We drink. We smoke. Come on. Okay, y'all looking at me. Uh, we cuss when trouble comes. Because maybe we're not placing trouble where it needs to be placed. This is all theory. This is, this is the wonder of understanding God because God is a wonder. But because he's a very present help in the time of trouble, I believe that trouble allows us to see God in a different way, more readily than our non-troubled seasons. Y'all with me? Think about it. In your non-trouble season, you know, like when you get your taxes, we're not praying as hard. I can't get no talk right there. In your non-trouble seasons, like bonus payouts, we're not praying as much then, you know? Because when it's not those seasons and you get your check and it goes so fast, Lord, I'm just tired of all this work, and now we're praying. I'm working. I feel like I ain't got nothing to show for. I'm just working and working and working. But when tax time comes, we're not talking about, Lord, help me manage this. You see, in our non-trouble seasons, we don't see God the same. Listen, we don't even look for God the same. All right. But you need him. So here's the deal. I got to go. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Here's our, here's our points for today, and then I'll, uh, we'll look at the text for a second, and then we'll get out of here. So as a believer, in times of great trouble, there is always a great need, all right? And as a believer, you should be, in times of trouble, there should be a, number one, a resolution that God can help. 
Okay, when, when, when stuff jumps off in your life, when the world is going crazy, when the royals are leaving the family. I knew something was going on in, in the world when the royals leave the family. Now, I don't know what it is about the royals for me, but, you know, I, I went through an emotional challenge when, Queen, when, uh, when uh, Princess Diana died. I, it, I don't know why it did something to me. It did something to me. So her sons, I watch them. And when that boy left grandmama and told all of them, listen, I got this girl. See, that? <laughs> I ain't even going to go. I didn't even <laughs> so much I want to say right there. No, 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 I can't say it. This is a PG service. Um, yeah, so, so what I'm saying is, wait, let me get back. Bring it, bring it back. I knew something was going on in the world when, when the royals are leaving. There has to be a resolution, listen, that God can help. Are you hearing me? A resolution, listen, the word resolution means an act of determining. It's an act of determining that when all hell is breaking loose in your life, you got to go through some actions that will determine that he can help. Those actions will bring you to a resolution that, hey, no matter what goes on, he can help. How do I determine? I remember, I reflect, I recall what he has done in the past. And if he has done it, he can do it. There has to be a resolution that God can help. Here's the deal. When you get resolute, on God helping you, you'll be patient in trouble. God, you got this. Now, I would like for you to have it a little faster. <laughs> Anybody feel like you want them to move fast? Listen, I talk to God like that. I'm like, hey, listen, I don't have no beef with you. This is how I talk to God. I have no beef with you. You know, I trust you, but I, I just want you to move a little bit faster. Okay, I'm stressed. You know, I'm stressed eating because I'm waiting on you to come through. It's like the Holy Ghost is like, but if you know I'm coming through, what you stressing for? So don't don't put them calories on me. That's you. <laughs> and you need to resolve that I got this, that I got the power to do it. Listen, before he does it, can you be resolved that he can handle it you see we're not talking about the will we're talking about can he do it and as some this is where we start when we start talking about building our faith we start at the place that you can handle this you can fix this even if you don't you can let me go back to the hebrew boys here we go before they got into the fire see this is the kind of stuff that gets you in the fire they told the king, hey, here's the deal. If you throw us in there, the God we serve is able to get us out. They didn't say he will. They said he's able. See, he is so able. Oh, gosh. God is so able that he is not averse to getting in there with you because he is so able to get you out of it. Oh, y'all hear, 
Y'all hearing me? He is so confident in his ability to deliver you that he says, I don't even have to deliver you to deliver you. Oh, come on. Uh, wake up. I, sh- I guess I should have preached the Hebrew boys today because the text says that when they got pushed into the, into the fire, they were bound. But the text says that when the king looked in there, he says, hey, then you throw in three. Yeah. He says, but I see four. And they walking around free. They are no longer bound. See, God is so confident in his ability to free you. He can free you in the thing that you think is binding you. That's how confident he is. He's like, hey, I don't have to bring you out of the fire to deliver you. I just step in there with you. And the thing that should not just keep you bound, but should also kill you. It was going to be a sustain. They were alive in the fire. Who does that? I'm yelling. I'm feeling this right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because, because God knows that when I bring you out of the fire, if you read that text, Daniel, they get promoted. Not only do they get promoted, the word goes out. Yo, we worship they God. That's what the king said. The king was like, hey, hear ye, hear ye. We worship they God from right on they God, they God. We worship, we're not their God. We worship they God. From here on in, anybody that black out against they God, we're going to kill them. But they, not only are we going to worship they God, we get ready to put them over some stuff because they God like them. See, listen. But the kingdom of God didn't grow and they didn't get promoted until trouble came and they were confident that the God that they served had what it took to deliver them. Listen, even if he didn't see, this is another level of maturity because many of us base our faith on coming out, but you should be basing your faith on the fact that he can, whether I come out or not. We base our our faith on if I pray for them and they get healed. We should base our faith on the fact that he can heal them whether he chooses to or not. Look at your neighbor and say, you might need to grow up in your faith. Yeah, man, because if you don't, listen, if your faith ain't in him and your faith is only in in the outcomes that you expect, you may not have faith. What you got is magic. Yeah, what you got is genie in a Bible. That ain't the true God. You think because you can rub the Bible that he's just going to come up and say, hey, your wish is my command. Call it, yo, I got you. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you got to believe that I can even if I don't. Oh, God. That's why some of our relationships don't work. Because... Our love is based on the performance and not on the commitment. We we ain't committed to the person. We're committed to what they do. Not understanding that everybody is growing and maturing. 
And the question is, if I really love you, I'll stay with you while you're still maturing and growing. Look how y'all look. That's how God stays with you. That's how God stays with you. I'm committed to you such that I'll send my son to die for you before you could even confess that you believe in me. This helping somebody? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, so that, that was <laughs> point number one has to be the resolution that God can help. Here's number two. As a believer, when stuff jumps off in your life, there has to be an expectation. Listen that God will. A resolution that he can. There's an expectation that he will. Okay? The word expectation, listen, is to consider something probable or certain. Probable or certain. Okay? See, this is the thing that I, that I was saying about fear is that fear normally shows up in our lives because we process or consider a thing to be possible even though it's not probable. Fear comes when we understand that it's possible even though it's not probable, okay? It's like the way we swing at bees because you know it's possible for you to get stoned. The truth of it is, when you look at, at statistics, it's not probable. It's just possible. And oftentimes, we are imprisoned by possibilities when the probability doesn't exist. Man, I'm preaching good today. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so we're in this prison because it's possible. So people now are not traveling because it's possible that I could get the virus. Can't get no talk. What you get ready to do? Stay in your house for the rest of your days? Because when that virus gets uh, uh, cured or fades off, another one will come up. It was Ebola a few years ago. And so what, what, what are we getting ready to do now? We're going to put plastic all around our house? Live in the bubble? Because of what is possible? If it's my time, it's my time. You hear me? So you got to live, live a way that you can stand up and say, if you miss me from singing down here, and you can't find me nowhere, come on up to Bright Zion, because I'll be singing up there. <laughs> <clears throat> That's funny, man. So there has to be the, uh, listen, there has to be the anticipation, the, I mean, the, uh, the uh, expectation that God will. But listen, what is intrinsic in expectation is anticipation. And anticipation is, listen, the act of looking forward. That's what anticipation is. So if you expect that God can, or if you have this resolution that he can, the expectation that he will. With that expectation should be an anticipation which says I'm looking forward to him doing it. Now we're talking about faith. We're talking about faith. Now we're talking about faith. Because what happens is when you look forward, listen, you move 
forward. The things that keep us bound in fear cause us to look where we are. But expectation says, I look forward and I'm expecting him to do it so I don't stop. I don't sit down. Okay, the whole notion of those, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall, uh, uh, what are they? We run and not faint. Uh, wait, wait, what do we do? We walk and not faint. We run and not be weary, right? That whole notion of waiting is waiting with movement. It is worshiping. It is, I am worshiping forward. I am, I am still moving forward while I wait for him to do a thing. I don't just sit and do nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like somebody, you tell somebody that you're coming, and they wait till you get there to get dressed. If you want to get left by me, Yeah, the spirit of my mother rests in my children because my mama, when we would drive somewhere, she would get ready to get out the car once we got there. That drives me crazy. It's like when I get there, I guess because I'm driving, I'm anticipating getting out the car. So when I pull into the drive, into the parking spot, you push the button, you get out, you you gone. All my children. I said, that's the spirit of Joe saying, get. Sometimes I tell them, y'all, we're going to be there in three minutes. Get your stuff ready to get out the car. Because oftentimes we live without anticipation, without expectation. So listen, the way we move as a result of that says, our answer. see, because they be on their phones and they're so into the now that they have no expectation about what's, to happen, what's about to happen. And so it takes somebody to redirect them to say, hey, we're about to go into the movies. We're about to go eat. Maybe y'all not hungry, but I'm anticipating. Are y'all with me? So, so then what happens is we don't Look forward or move forward because there is no expectation or anticipation. So what I'm saying to you is whatever the trouble is in your life, whatever the problem is in your life, there needs to be an expectation that God will move. Here is the thing that you have to protect yourself from. Don't be careful that you do not try to dictate what his move will be. That's the thing that gets us in trouble. You just need to know that he will. See, we don't call it deliverance or blessing unless it looks like what we thought it was going to look like. And so it's like he moved, but you don't call it a move. You know, it's a move of God. We don't call that a move of God because it ain't what we thought it was going to be. So then it, since that's the only way he can move is the way you thought he would move, then let's call you God. No. You got to make sure that you look for him to move, listen, and trust him enough that he's going to make the right decision. Expectation. Here's the last one because my time is gone. I didn't even get to my text today. 
Here's the, here's the last one. So the first one is uh, there's, a resu- there's a resolution that God can help. There's an expectation that God will help. Listen, and there should be a celebration that he is my help. There should be a celebration of praise in you. That God, I praise you because I know you got this. I bless you because you, you ain't never left me. I, I don't even know how this is going to turn out, but what I know is you're in control of everything. And I bless your name and I worship you and I give you glory. And I just say thank you in advance because however, you do all things well. And you're going to make it all work out for my good. Even if it ain't for my good at the moment, it'll work out for it at the end of it. Even though I don't like it and may not like you at the moment, but I still worship you because I know that you got this. See, you got to be real with God. I trust you even though I'm mad. I'm sorry if people have told you from platforms that you got to like God in order to worship him. I'm sorry. Worship has to do with value. Worship has to do with worthiness. So you don't always agree with him. You don't always like him, but you still need to know that he's worthy. You still need to know that he can do it. You still need to know that he's going to work it out on your behalf. See, that's why we, listen, that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach us to a way that we mature and grow up because we in the society that is all about what we like. And if I like you, I'm going to click like and everybody wants likes, likes, likes. Guys, I don't give a rip about you liking me. You need to know who I am. Know that I love you. Worship me accordingly and let's move this thing on because you're not going to like me every day. That's why we keep getting divorced. That's why we keep breaking up. Because you think you're going to like the person you married every day. Touch your neighbor and say, "Mm mm-mm. Come on, that's why parents are getting depressed. Because I'm depressed because I don't like my kids. Okay. I'm sure there's a group on Facebook about people that don't like their kids. I know there's a group out there. It happens. Listen, I don't have to like you to love you. You think God likes you all the time? But we live in this society that is all about the like. Listen, I'm telling you now that there needs to be a celebration in your heart because God knows what's best for you. And the time that you need it, that's why it's not help wanted, it's help needed. I need you to help me. And you know what? When you get to the place where you have a real need, the outcome can be whatever it need to be because I have a need. So that's what my mama used to always say to me. Mama, I'm hungry. I want McDonald's. She's like, there's peas and corn in there. And I'm like, I don't want that. She said, you're not hungry. You're not hungry. You have a want. See, hunger produces a need. And when the hunger produces a need, whatever comes that's healthy for you, it'll satisfy the need. You hear me? Be careful because most of the time the stuff that's good for us will satisfy the need, but it rarely satisfies the want. Uh Uh-oh, I think that just went right over your head. Yeah, see, you want McDonald's but that's what they call empty calories. But if you go in there and get some, some collard greens, some stewed potatoes, and a piece of chicken, that will satisfy the need. McDonald's satisfies the want, 
And after a little while, you'll be hungry again because of the way that want was satisfied and the way it was processed. Y'all hear me? Y'all understand what I'm saying? See, when I was a kid, I didn't understand that. I understand that now. I understand that now because, you know, we can eat. You know, sometimes you just get sick of eating that because it, it don't satisfy you. But the stuff that we need that's good for us will bring satisfaction. That's satisfying the need. So God says here, there needs to always be a celebration inside of you based on the fact that I am your helper. Y'all got that? Okay, so here's the story. Because it was like, why did you name it The Rock Between Us? Here's the story. David is writing Psalm 54 while he is running from Saul, who's about to kill him. Saul is just jealous. He's about to kill him. And he goes down to this area called Kalia. And while he's there with him, him and his guys, that, that there were some people that had joined, some men that had joined to him, and he got them a small army. And so they're down in this area hiding. While they're hiding in the area, they hear that the Philistines are about to overtake the people of that area. And so David does, he's, I love David, because while he is trying to save his life, he is thinking about saving somebody else's. And so he goes to God and he says, hey, should we help these people? God's like, yeah, go help them. So they go in there. And so when he tells his guys, hey, we get ready to go and help these people and, and uh, overtake the Philistines. And they was like, what? Hey, how do we know that they're not going to get us? The Philistines ain't nobody to play with. He's like, God said that we got this. I love David. Because David ain't, ain't like, hey, man, I got this great army. You know, I'm a strategist. He's like, look, man, God said that we got this. And I love to, I love to say what God said, because when I say what God says, I put it back on him. I don't have to produce, he does. So they go fight. They win. All right. So then the word gets back to Saul. Hey, David down there in Kalia helping the people fight. And Saul says, oh, God has favored me. It's amazing how the enemy, your enemy, is thinking that God is guiding them. But wait, what if he is? What if God is guiding your enemy? Here it is. So then they said, okay, they're on their way. We're going to run. We're going to run on a little bit further. Y'all go read it. This is 1 Samuel 23. You should read it. It's a great read, great story. Somebody should make a movie out of it. Listen, so then... He, um, he goes to another area, and they hide. And then again, the word comes to Saul. Saul and them chase him down there. And David was like, yo, this is just, they are on us. Then Jonathan comes. That's Jonathan's, uh, David's son, who is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Saul's son, who is David's best friend, and says, hey, don't trip. My dad ain't going to get you. You, gonna, you are the king, and I'm going to stand right there beside you. All right? Because, listen. God knows how to send to you a confirmation, even if the confirmation comes from the enemy's camp. You hear what I'm saying? Because this is, this is the enemy's son, who is the best friend of the hunted. He's like, listen, my dad, my dad ain't going to kill you. God has set this thing up. You're going to be the king. I'm going to be standing there right beside you. So then he's like, okay. David's like, okay, dope. 
<laughs> so they keep running, right? They keep running all the way to a place to where Saul and his team or his, his army, they are right on the heels. Here's what the text says. And I'm, I'm closing it up right here. Here's the text. In 23, verse 26 says, Saul was going along one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the other side of the mountain hurrying away from Saul and Saul and his uh as Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture him up so here it is David wrote the psalm that we started out with Psalm 54 while he's running for his life. And here's what he says. He says in verse 4 of 54, he says, God is my sustainer. All right? Think about this. This is Saul and his people. This is the mountain. I'm David and his people. So you're saying to me that while I'm trying to get away from you, you are just on the other side of the mountain. Do you see how close this is? And every time Saul got a report about David, he thanked God that, oh, God is with me. Thank you, God, for giving me the intel to go kill your servant. Now, remember, Saul is the king that the people asked for. David is the king that God asked for. See that? But the enemy knows how to pray when it comes to killing you. Man, that stuff trips me out. The enemy got a prayer life when it comes to killing you. So anyway, the only thing that separates the hunter from the hunted is a rock. And I say, God, help me. He says, I am. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Help me in the text. Help me understand. He says, son, when it seems like the enemy is so close to you, the reason, listen, the reason the enemy has not gotten you is not because you're so anointed. It's not because you're so favored. It's not because you're so gifted and talented. It's not because you write. It's because that I am in between your enemy and you. And whatever it is that comes that is trying to put his hands on your life in any way, I am the one. That stands in between. Paul understood this. And here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. He writes more. And, and 10, 1 through uh, 4, he writes this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were, un, were under the, the cloud. All passed through the sea. Now we're talking about children of Israel. They all were under the cloud being led. Okay. They passed through the sea, the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank from the spiritual drink, the same spiritual drink. Watch this. For they drank from that spiritual rock 
that followed them. Let's read this last line together. And that was, that rock was Christ. So here we see 1 Corinthians, this is Paul talking about the children of, of, uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness. Listen, but what we see here in 1 Samuel 23 is what's called a Christophany. A Christophany is when we see Christ manifested in the Old Testament before he is physically manifested in the New. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul says that rock that followed the children of Israel was Christ. So now what we see, the rock that stands between David, the called of God, and the enemy, the called from the world, is Christ the rock. And what we need, the help that we need, is the rock. The old saints would say, and that rock is Jesus. He is the one. This rock is, come on, y'all, y'all, y'all with me? And so where we are right now is in this season of life where we got to anchor the rock. Old saints would say, make sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock because the help that you need is the rock of Christ. And there's a rock between us. You got to tell the enemy, there's a rock between us. And you need to understand that the only thing that's separating you from ultimate demise and failure is the rock of Christ. How dare you not worship him? How dare you not read your word? How dare you not drink of him? How dare you not come into his house upon this rock? I'll build my church. When you come to the church, it is built on Jesus. And in this season, not that you want help, but that you need help. The rock is the one. That's why I'm not afraid to fly right now, because the rock is the one. It ain't no virus, it's the rock. If the rock says, hey man, it's your time, then you gotta be, you gotta be your time. There's a song. You know the song, um, be sure your 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 ankle holds and grips the solid rock. What is the name? Oh, the name of the song is In Times Like These. There it is. In times like these. We need uh, an anchor in times like these. I don't remember what else. I hope you know. Lord, bring it back to it, Jesus. Because this is, listen, the Lord told me to do this series. I didn't know what we were going to do. The Lord said, do this because people are afraid and I'm their help. Fear will never help you. Fear will only lead you into depression, immobility. Come on. The fear will lead you to be paralyzed. God says, I'm your help right now. I don't care how many Clorox wipes you got, I'm your help. My blood can, listen, my blood is the blood that will stain you and keep you from anything that could come and hurt your life. Listen, before you make decisions, you need to consult the rock. Before you make a move, you need to consult the rock. And the instructions that the rock will give you ain't always what you want to do. But listen, here's what I believe. If the rock opens the door, that means he'll give you the grace to walk through it. The grace to do what you got to do. The grace to do the job. The grace to finish the program. The grace to write the book. The the grace to be a great spouse, a great parent. The rock will give you what you need. It is in time like these that we need him. We're here. In time like these.
yeah, yeah, yeah. That rock is Jesus. I love it. It tells us who the rock is. Yes, he's the one. That rock is Jesus. He's the only one. Be very sure. Be very, very sure. Your anchor holds. Yeah. question is where is your anchor in a season of life globally in our country even in our state in your personal life in your bedroom in your car in your cube in your bank account in your health record where is your anchor because God wants to help us. He is a very present help. And here's what I want you to know. No matter what you're going through, he wants to help you. <laughs> He's ready and waiting to help you. Solicit his help. Father, in Jesus' name, today as a group of people, as a worshiping community, we solicit your help. <laughs> For we will lift up our eyes to, to the hills. Where, do I, where does our help come from, Lord? Our help comes from you, who have made heaven and earth. So we anticipate, we expect your move in this season of our lives. We thank you now. We worship you now. In Jesus' name. Amen.